0: Do you work for a public transit agency now and want to move up the career ladder, maybe even to the top position? I'm Paul Comfort, and on this episode of Transit Unplugged, we talk with Holly Arnold, she is the administrator of the Maryland Transit Administration, a statewide agency which also oversees the Baltimore City Transit System. And Holly describes her move up the career ladder at the MTA through various positions from the Budget and Planning Department, and grants up through overseeing engineering and then to the top job as the administrator of the MTA. I think you'll find it a great career path to study and look at as you look at your own career path. She also describes the agency itself. It's a massive multimodal agency with six modes, bus, light rail, a subway system, commuter train service, commuter bus service, and paratransit. She describes some of the big projects they're working on, including the nation's largest still public-private partnership with the Purple Line, a 16-mile light rail line being built on the outskirts of Washington, D.C. that the MTA is overseeing, plus some big work being done on their subway, the B&O Tunnel, and the brand new Red Line coming back. All that. A great interview with Holly Arnold, administrator of the Maryland Transit Administration in Baltimore. Great to have Holly Arnold with us today on the podcast. Holly is administrator of the MTA, the Maryland Transit Administration in Baltimore. Holly,
1: thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, Holly was on one of our uh, Transit Unplugged live events uh, within the last year or so. And so great to have you now with, uh, with your own episode of the podcast on Transit Unplugged. First off, Holly, why don't you just describe the MTA itself? I think it's so unique, uh, these statewide agencies. There's a few of them, especially in the Northeast Corridor, that aren't standalone authorities like WMATA or SEPTA or whatever, but they actually work for the state government. Tell us about the agencies some there and your role.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, as you noted, MTA is um, a state, a part of the state DOT. So we report up to the Secretary of Transportation here in Maryland, and we are fairly unique as one of the larger agencies um, being part of a state DOT. So that means that we're responsible for essentially being the transit provider in Baltimore. So here in Baltimore City, we per, in the Baltimore region, we provide um, our light rail, uh, metro, subway, our core bus and paratransit service. And then statewide, we have a fairly comprehensive and large commuter bus network, as well as three um, marked commuter rail lines that we provide service to. And then outside of that, because we're part of the state DOT and we're the federally designated recipient for funds, we provide technical support and assistance to all of the locally operated transit systems in each of Maryland's 23 counties and Baltimore City.
0: It's a lot on the plate. I mean, uh, when I was there, I think it was the 11th largest transit system in America. Do you know where you rank now on ridership and that kind of stuff yet?
1: I know we're still pretty high up there. I think yeah. Yeah, top 15. Um, and yeah, and one thing I actually didn't even mention is we're also building the Purple Line. So the still the largest transit uh, public private partnership project in the country um, outside of uh, Washington, D.C. between Montgomery and Prince George's County. So, yeah, it's a huge portfolio, uh, but we've got a great team and all working together to deliver that service
0: couple little notes I'd want to mention is uh, you've got a great new secretary of transportation here in Maryland. You want to say anything about him?
1: (laughs) So uh, Secretary Wiedepeld, uh, we're so lucky to have him. Uh, He has experience working at MTA. He was in my role at MTA actually back when I very first started uh, in 2009. Um, He has a great experience at uh, Washington Metro. Um, And then outside of that, he worked at the airport. Um, So he has a a tremendous amount of knowledge and experience here in Maryland. So I'm lucky to be able to bounce things off of him.
0: Yeah, Paul Wienfeld is just an amazing guy and, and was the right guy at the right time, I think, for this new administration, uh, and so happy he's there, because you know, he really knows Maryland as well as knows his subject matter, so that's great. Talk about your responsibilities, some Holly. I mean, you've just painted a really large portfolio. I, I mean, basically you're the administrator of a state agency, but you're also general manager of the Baltimore City Transit system, and you have other responsibilities as well. T- talk about what you kind of like what your day is like and what you oversee.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, so the I think the the largest part that takes a lot of time is the kind of general manager of the day to day here in Baltimore City, right? Like we have a uh, you know operations with eight hundred buses, we have uh, over a hundred rail cars that are out providing service every day, and making sure that we're supporting the employees who are out doing that. Um, we have you know uh, close to three hundred thousand riders every day, so again, making sure that they have the support and the service that they need uh, to get where they're going. There's also the policy aspect, right? So thinking about that that statewide piece, right? So thinking about, you know, uh, bus rapid transit in the counties, what does that look like? What is MTA's level of support on that? We're considering uh, working with uh, Charles and Prince George's counties to build a rapid transit line down in Southern Maryland, right? So what is MTA's role there? How are we going to interact and engage um, with a, a rail line that's so, or a, a bus line that's so far from kind of where our core service is? Um, same thing with, you know, Purple Line uh, is a, a tremendous uh, amount of responsibility. We have a fantastic team down there and we've spent the past year really making some changes uh, in our team and the consultant team. And we brought in that new design builder in uh, 2022. And so just really kind of gearing up, we've got the fantastic team down there that's leading things, but I still need to kind of help out with like the budget piece and the tying in into everything else that we have at Voyager.
0: Yeah, let's let's, uh, unpack that just a little bit because it is so unique, I think. And this is the way a lot of large agencies operate is they'll have a separate Kind of group or department handling this these massive big projects. Tell us about how that's organized. The Purple Line.
1: Yeah, so we have a we do kind of have a separate arm. So we have our uh, Transit Development Delivery Group that is set up to deliver mega projects. Uh, so right for a, a long time, it's only had the Purple Line. Recently, we hired our senior project director for the Red Line. Uh, we'll be bringing someone on for Southern Maryland Rapid Transit as well. So excited to kind of really build that out. Um, but yeah, so the Purple Line team, uh, it's a small but mighty team that, that works down there to get things going, supported by uh, consultants. So we have a, a PMC and GEC consultant that really make up the bulk of the staff to oversee the work. And because it is a P3, so we have our concessionaire partner that is responsible for delivering the project. And underneath them, they have a design build contractor who's mostly who we're working with right now. Um, but we're also there's the operations piece, right? Like we just building this, we have to have a, an operations component long term, and so we've really started to dive in with Purple Line transit operators and thinking about how they're going to be operating it, how they're making those decisions, you know, nitty gritty stuff like what is the horn and bell policy as they go through a tunnel. <laughs> but, but hey, that's what that's what uh, the communities care about, and so making sure that you know we're addressing those things now and starting to think about it. And. Is
0: it still a 16.2 light, light rail line around the suburbs of D.C. connecting into Washington Metro?
1: Yes. Yeah. So it makes nice. connections at multiple metro stations, all free mark lines, Amtrak, commuter bus uh, and the local transit services. So it's a huge connector in, in that region.
0: Public-private partnerships really had their heyday, I think, in the last decade. And th- through the pandemic, of course, like everything else, there was issues with them. Uh, do you still think it's a good uh, way to handle mega projects like this?
1: I think you got to take each project individually and, and think them through. Um, you know, I was at MTA when the decision was made, but I wasn't part of that dis- discussion. Right. And, you know, I understand why that was the, the choice that was made for this project. I think, right? Hindsight's always 2020. We've had some issues with it, but you know, we've got a good design build partner and a concessionaire on board now. And I think we're in a really good place with all the changes we've made over the past couple of years to, to get the project done. And that's really what we care about, right? Like, let's get the project done. Let's get some people riding it because it will be such a fantastic connector for the communities that need it in Montgomery and Prince George's.
0: Yeah. I'm super excited about it. I always, always believe in that project. So um you mentioned you were at MTA, but you weren't part of the, uh, part of the team. So let's, let's dive into your career path a little bit, because I think it's fascinating. I remember uh when I got there, I, I don't know what, I think it was 2016 as administrator. And you were at the time, I think the director of capital budgets. And one of the very first meetings I had I'd never run a large transit agency before, but I tell the story a lot. I remember, you know, all these folks coming in and you would set this meeting up because you were head of capital budgets uh, and they were, we had like 145 capital projects going on, I think at the time. So you brought in the top 50 projects and I think it took two days. You sit <laughs> in a room with all these folks and listen to them pitch their, you know, project where it's at. And then at the end, you and Kevin Quinn, uh, who was the head of the of time, came up to me and said, okay, Paul. So as you saw today, we've wrapped up you know this project, that project, and that project, and there, uh, there's some money left over in their budgets. It's like $10 million. What would you like to do with that? It was like, well, how about a big party? That, that didn't seem to fly. So. But instead, you know, you would kind of rank what the other projects were that didn't make uh, the budget that year, and we could, we could then go ahead and fund some of those. Walk us through, what I want you to do, if you don't mind, is walk us through your, your career path and how you chose what you were going to do next. And then maybe delve into a couple of those, you know, responsibilities. Because a lot of folks that listen to this are looking to grow their career. They're currently mid-level managers or staff at transit agencies. You've kind of been through uh, a number of positions at the same agency and grown, you know, just like it should be done, in my opinion, right? By the time you were you were MTA administrator, I mean you probably knew the agency better than anybody, uh, and so it made sense to have you in that role just for that. Not not even talking about your leadership abilities, et cetera. But walk us through that, if you would.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I started at NTA actually as a contract employee back in 2009 under uh, then administrator Wiedefeld. Um, and I started out, I was a grants administrator. And so my job was we would get these ginormous paper invoices and go through page by page, put a stamp on it and identify what grant was supposed to be, fund- what project was supposed to be funded by what grant. So, yeah, I very much did very low level starting out kind of working uh, on day to day. It was a great experience, though, because I get to understand the federal process, what the Federal Transit Administration was looking for, understanding what projects could be funded by what grants. And I loved what I got to put together when I became the capital program manager after a couple of years. The, it was almost like a puzzle being able to identify these are the different funding sources that we have. These are the different projects. This is when it's going to be spending and identify how do we make this work? How do we get the, the most bang for our buck as we're, as we're moving our projects forward? And how do we advance the, the agency? And that job was also fantastic too, because you really do get to know the entire agency, right? Like at a transit agency, the capital budget is involved in everything, right? Like you're not buying or building anything without the capital group involved. You know, one of the things that I did and I really recommend to anyone going forward is just I asked a lot of questions and took advantage of like, hey, I want to see this project. Like we're building this thing and it's really cool. Can I come out and see it while it's under construction? And so I, I did that. I remember um, when our, our it was Mark Locomotives that were coming in at the time and I asked the team, like, hey, can I come see these? And there's a picture of me you know, way back when uh, sitting at a Mark Locomotive, like pretending to drive it. But it was really awesome because I get to know the projects. I got to know the importance of the projects. I got to understand timelines, um, right? It's like, you know, utilities. Anytime that it's going to, where you have to deal with the utility, it's going to take a little bit of extra time and understand the impacts of some of those things. So I spent a lot of time in the capital program group, again, really getting to know the agency and how the agency worked. I became uh, the director of planning in um, 2017. And so that was, again, a really pivotal time. Uh, You know, we were launching Baltimore Link, the Best Network Redesign. Um, worked closely with Kevin and was able to um, take on kind of the student outreach before school started. Right. So we basically had kind of two launches for Baltimore Lake. One was the summer launch where we changed everything. And then that fall, students were coming back and they may not have ridden the system before. And so we had to make sure that they knew where they were going. They knew what bus route to get on. And so I spent a lot of time working through that as well. I was uh, director planning for about two years. Um, my biggest kind of most exciting project that I did there outside of Baltimore link was um, the Central Maryland Regional Transit plan. Uh, so this was a legislatively mandated plan to look at uh, 25 years, um, five counties and, and Baltimore City. Uh, like what is our goal and desire for the region and where do we want to be going? Um, so it was really fun to work with uh, with there's a commission that was established with the local elected officials to identify, you know, what are we looking at to move forward? And, you know, we identified a number of corridors. Um, We did a corridor study, which was the East-West Corridor Study, which has now kind of been revamped as, as the revived red line. Um, and then a north-south one from Towson to downtown Baltimore, both of which are moving forward. We also looked at additional dedicated bus lanes, additional TSP um, shelters. And then a big one for me is uh, accessible stops. Um, oh, yeah. So one of the things that I learned in that, report is only, I think it was 19% of bus stops in this Baltimore region were accessible, right? So that is that is not a good number. Um, and so we've been working with Baltimore City on that. Um, but we've also been putting our, our money where our mouth is. And MTA is investing about $20 million in making um, over 200 bus stops um, ADA accessible. Because wow, we want to make great. sure that everyone can use transit. Yeah, that's great. So after I was a, a director planning for a little bit, um, our deputy administrator position came open. And so that one was responsible for planning, engineering, uh, real estate, and our local transit support group. Um, And so that one was definitely a a, a tough choice for me to think like, yes, I want to go for this role. I'm not an engineer and overseeing engineering and construction was a little intimidating. Um, But, you know, I said like, hey, I want to take this on. I want to do it you know, there's a number of things I get frustrated with engineers, right? Like I love engineers. They're fantastic, but they're engineers. Um, And so like, let me, let me see what I can do to kind of change some of those things and and work with them. And so I uh, took on the deputy administrator role in 2019 and did that for a couple of years before, um, throughout the pandemic, which was, which was very interesting to see how things changed and, and that some of the challenges that the team was going through with the supply chain and, how do you do construction when you can't have a morning safety briefing because you can't have everyone in the room together? <laughs> right. Like yeah. a lot of things that really came up with the team that we had to work through. Um, but, you know, challenges that were were overcome and the team did a great job on. And then in in 2021, um, I was asked to take on the role of acting administrator um, here at MTA. And so um, that was very exciting. I was seven months pregnant at the time. So we <laughs> <laughs> had to... Uh, I think it was you know during the pandemic a lot of people didn't realize because they only saw me from uh, you know neck up on the screen and then I went out and was meeting operators and right. kind of waddling around but I will say uh, it's a it's a good way to get to know people and get to know people right as a person right they they see me yes I'm the administrator but also I'm like I'm a, I'm a person I'm a mom and so you know we still people always ask how um, how my daughter's doing and yeah they, it humanizes yeah. you or something exactly yeah yeah, so, yeah it's really fantastic that's pretty cool. Can we take one quick step back on
0: the engineering job Uh, and then we'll dive into some of your current projects? I was hoping you could kind of unpack what engineering departments do at transit agencies. We haven't really covered that a lot on the
1: podcast, but they're so important. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so we, you know, we need engineers to do the designs for kind of get all those major capital projects that we're doing. So at MTA, uh, we have multiple groups within our engineering department. Um, so we have a, a systems engineering group that basically handles our, our vehicles and all of the, the systems, right? The signal systems and the, a lot of the IT network, the phone network, things that kind of talk to each other there. Um, we have a, a civil group, uh, kind of civil and ADA that does really what you would think in terms of kind of civil construction. So they do our, our roofs and our parking lot, different projects like that. And then we have a track and structures group. That is responsible for, you know, ensuring that the track is maintained and then that the structures like our, our bridges and stations and everything else. Um, we also have a construction team. So they oversee, we don't do any of our own construction, but they oversee the uh, contractors that come in and ensure that, you know, they're doing the right things in the right places, submitting everything correctly. We have a a QA, QC team that kind of oversees all of that to make sure we're following our, our processes throughout. Yeah, I mean, the engineers really are key to ensuring that we're able to deliver our projects. They um, write the design documents, they kind of oversee the, the procurement. And then even once it's under construction, they're still involved with the project to ensure that it's, it's being you know, done in the way that was, was originally designed and planned. And does
0: MTA, like most agencies, uh, have contracts with some of the big engineering firms?
1: Yes. Yeah. You name the, the firm. I think we've got them on contract here. So yeah, we, we appreciate the support of all of our you know, consultant uh, employees that help us out. It's such a, uh, an important
0: but behind the scenes part of any large agency that I wanted to give you a chance to talk about it since you had overseen that. Thank you. And speaking of the big projects that, uh, that the engineering department works on, let's talk about a couple of those you're working on now. Let's start off with the B&O tunnel. Uh, this is such an important project.
1: Yeah. So this is the um within partnership with Amtrak. So Amtrak owns the tunnel uh, it is, uh over 150 years old. Um The oldest tunnel that they inherited when they when they became Amtrak. And the one stat that I love is that I think when it was built, uh Ulysses S. Grant was president. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Takes it back. Civil War era. Yes, <laughs> yes uh, exactly. So it yep. is uh, a very old tunnel. Still safe to operate today, but definitely a lot of issues with it. Doesn't have obviously any sort of modern kind of life safety features. Uh, there's a lot of issues with flooding, so it very much needs to be replaced. What about
0: the roof height? Are they still going to go up with that? Some
1: no. So we're but so we are looking at kind of replacing the tunnel uh, with a new tunnel that will oh. change the curve, right? So okay, it's a yes curve right now. So like, but with a more gradual curve will allow for faster travel time can Okay, good life safety. And, you know, thank you to the, the Biden-Harris administration, uh, the Federal Railroad Administration awarded, you know, more than $4 billion to Amtrak uh, for the tunnel. MTA is uh, contributing $450 million to that.
0: Okay.
1: And the other big piece of that project, which I'm very excited about, uh, again, going back to accessibility, we're going to get a new, finally ADA accessible West Baltimore Mark Station, uh, which is something that we've been talking about for a really long time. And so that will be fantastic for the communities there. Um, we're looking at, you know, the red line would also come in there. So a great opportunity for transit oriented development. And just, I think it could be, it should be a game changer for the communities.
0: You've got a subway there. Um, and, uh, talk, talk to us about what's happening there.
1: We do. Yeah. A lot of people forget that, uh, Baltimore has a subway, including folks who live here. And so that's <laughs> one of the best kept secrets that I'm trying to make sure is, is not a secret that folks have right. really fantastic, uh, way to get around town. Um, but yeah, so we have on our subway system, it is 40 years old. And so we are in the process of replacing the vehicles and the signal system. Um, you know, they're just kind of aged out. The vehicles themselves need to be replaced. And so we received, uh, so we have a contract for for both of those. Um, the signal system installation has been in the works for the past couple of years. Uh, they're about ready to kind of flip the switch on that. And we're also receiving the new vehicles. The first test vehicle came last, uh, last year going through the the testing now on the test track and should be going into service in 2025.
0: Awesome. Now let's switch to the future. So you got some other big things coming up. Talk to us about the light rail vehicles that you're, so you were just finished up a midlife recycle or rehab, and now you're, you got money to go forward with brand new vehicles.
1: Well, we hope. So we applied for a federal <laughs> okay. as well. Yeah. So uh, fairly similarly. I mean, the, the light rail is 30 years old. The vehicles themselves are pretty close to that. And that is essentially useful life for uh, a light rail vehicle. Right. Um, and so we've started the process to replace those. And so, um, it's a big undertaking, right? Like, oh, yeah. we are one of the last agencies that has kind of like those monstrous high floor vehicles with a high block that you have to, if you want to use a wheelchair that you have to, to get on. And so we're looking at modern, low floor, smaller profile, um, more obviously more context sensitive, right? Like they will fit within the, the urban environment way better than our current vehicles do. And so very excited to to do that. Outside of that, because it's a smaller footprint, it's not as wide, it's not as high. We have to rebuild the stations uh, okay. to make sure that you could actually get on the train. So that's going to be a big undertaking. Um, but an exciting one because it allows us, you know, I, I mentioned Howard Street before. Howard Street needs a lot of work and improvements, and it gives us that opportunity to work with the city, work with developers to reimagine Howard Street and make it a much more enjoyable uh, place for folks to be. That's um, And then also on that one, too, signal system, right? So, again, that behind-the-scenes stuff, like, you don't see the signal system, but if it doesn't work, it, it's problematic. And so we're looking at a signal system replacement as part of that effort as well. Okay. And tell us where we're at on the red line. Yeah, so Governor Moore in June uh, relaunched the Baltimore red line which is um, still in the kind of early planning stages, project development at this point. But we have the ability to use 13 years worth of, of work and documents and engineering from before. So we brought on a senior project director to to lead that effort. Um, we're working closely with the city and the county. Um, and so we're, we're, we've we're done a ton of uh, engagement with the communities over the past year. I will say the number one thing that we've heard is uh, get the shovel in the ground. We want, we want the red line now. Which is great. Um, and we're working with the Federal Transit Administration to kind of brush off the environmental documentation. Uh, we should have in 2024 an announcement of, of mode. So we're looking at a light rail or a bus rapid transit. So which mode it will be and then beginning to move forward with that. And we talked light rail earlier. So one exciting potential piece is it, the timing may work out that we're able to purchase a fleet of vehicles for the existing light rail system if light rail is a chosen mode that would match up with a red line vehicle which would really be fantastic for being able to kind of like just that continuity of having the mechanics understand right it's not two different fleets you have to train on they can actually be able to work on one and the red
0: the red line is the east west corridor do you have something going on in your north south corridor
1: we do so one of the uh In the Central Maryland Regional Transit Plan that I mentioned previously, uh, one of the corridors identified was a north-south one from Towson into downtown Baltimore. And so the team worked over the past 18 months to do a feasibility study there, um, looking at potential ridership, what modes, what alignments would work. And so that got published in December. And so we're looking to kind of re-kick off that public conversation for the next steps this year. And so excited to, you know, again pretty closely mirrors our CityLink Red, which is one of our our bus routes. Um, And that is our highest ridership bus route uh, that honestly rivals uh, a lot of rail in in other cities. Um, So definitely a, a corridor that can use some investment. And so we're looking forward to that.
0: Holly, thanks so much for sharing with us your career path and the big projects you've got going on at one of the largest agencies in America.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Hi, this is Trish Hussey, editor of the Transit Unplugged podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged with our special guest, Holly Arnold, administrator of the Maryland MTA. Next week, we have another special feed swap episode. This time, we're swapping episodes with APTA's Transit Authority podcast, where VP for Mobility Initiatives and Public Policy, Art Gazzetti, is talking with Amtrak CEO Stephen Gardner. We're excited to announce a special Transit Unplugged Live CEO Roundtable hosted by Dr. Khan Yildigos at UITP MENA Transport Congress and Exhibition on February the 29th at the Trapeze Booth. We'll have guests, including UITP President Rene Amulkar and the Director General of the Integrated Transport Center in Abu Dhabi, Abdullah Al Marzuki. Look for more information and links in the show notes. The MENA Transport Congress and Exhibition 2024 is the event focusing on sustainable urban mobility solutions in the MENA region. It takes place in Dubai from February 28th to March 1st. The event is co-organized by UITP and Dubai's RTA. The MENA Transport Congress and Exhibition has been a premier platform for showcasing advancements in public transport since 2007. If you have a question, comment or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. And of course, at transitunplugged.com is where you can sign up for our newsletter and find out where we are all over social media. Transit Unplugged is brought to you by Medaxo. At Medaxo, we're passionate about moving the world's people. And at Transit Unplugged, we're passionate about telling those stories. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.